back, guys. This is Sam. And this is Corrine, and we are two Onk Docs. This week's episode is a continuation of last week, where we're going to be focusing on treatment options for localized breast cancer and discuss the important details on radiation as well as systemic therapies based on the receptor status. And important to know that in terms of prevalence, 70 to 80% of breast cancers are ERPR positive, 15 to 20% are HER2 positive, and another 15 to 20% are triple negative, meaning they are negative for ERPR and HER2. And the field of breast oncology is constantly changing. So make sure you stay up to date when treating a patient with breast cancer, because chances are month to month, the guidelines are changing. I agree. Yeah. And this is another one of those quickly changing fields, which is great. Um, but it's something that you need to be aware of because this episode could be outdated soon enough. Um, so last week you mentioned the mainstay of treatment options for invasive localized breast cancer are either mastectomy or lumpectomy plus radiation. However, are there some cases where someone does not need radiation after a lumpectomy? Yes. So in some patients, if they are over the age of 70 with a tumor that is less than two centimeters. They are clinically node negative and they are ER positive. Those patients can avoid radiation therapy and just go forward with adjuvant endocrine therapy. Great. I think that's important to know those. I think that was a question on not only our ITEs, but then also on board. So knowing that criteria to emit radiation is very important. Um, and so are there ever any cases of women who are undergoing mastectomy who also need adjuvant radiation? Yes. So there are cases where a woman may also benefit from the addition of radiation to the chest wall if the tumor is more than five centimeter. If it is less than five centimeters with close margins that are less than one millimeter, if they have positive lymph nodes, if they have positive margins. And remember that clinically, when you see a patient for radiation and it's given adjuvantly, it will be given before the systemic treatment. Definitely. I think remembering that sequence of surgery plus minus radiation, then systemic therapy is a good thing to remember just when you're thinking through all these cases. And so this brings us to systemic therapy options. And so what is the mainstay chemotherapy regimens that we utilize in localized breast cancer? So in localized breast cancer, there is a consideration for either neoadjuvant or adjuvant chemotherapy. And ultimately, this will be discussed in a breast multidisciplinary tumor board. And in general, we will prefer neoadjuvant regimens for patients with larger tumors. If a woman desires a lumpectomy, if someone has inflammatory breast cancer, if they are triple negative or in any HER2 positive that are not the T1 and 0. And the systemic treatment options that we discuss in terms of chemotherapy are the AC plus T regimen. And that compromises of doxorubicin with cyclophosphamide followed by paclitaxel, which is the T for taxel. And there is a dose sense option for this AC where it's given every two weeks instead of every three weeks. And because it's myelosuppressive, you're going to need to add GCSF in order to boost those neutrophils. And the paclitaxel can be given either weekly or every two weeks. And if somebody has a contraindication to the anthracycline, you can also give a regimen called TC, which stands for docetaxel with cyclophosphamide. And then there is another regimen that can be used in some circumstances. I never really saw this used often, but called CMF. And you're not going to give this if someone has more than four positive lymph nodes, but this is comprised of cyclophosphamide, methotrexate, and 5-FU. 
Definitely. I think on the boards, they're not going to be subtle. Um, they're going to give you glaring things. So like contraindications to doxorubicin, they'll give you a cardiac history and expect you to make the leap to docetaxel plus cyclophosphamide. Um, but it's extremely important to know these regimens. And so also important, who needs this chemotherapy? So I'm going to break it down by receptor status, and we're going to start with the triple negative in order to see who needs and who does not need chemotherapy. And if you are going to give it in the adjuvant setting, remember that chemotherapy should be given within 30 days of surgery. However, also remember that in most triple negatives, we're going to prefer to give it in the neoadjuvant setting because this allows for surgical minimization and there's a strong relationship between pathologic complete response and relapse survival. And so for triple negative, anyone with a tumor more than 0.5 centimeters or with positive lymph nodes needs to be considered for chemotherapy. And that will be your AC plus C regimen, but we're also going to consider adding carboplatin, if not both pembrolizumab with carboplatin in those that are higher risk. And if you go with the carboplatin pembrolizumab option, you're also going to consider adjuvant pembrolizumab after the surgery. And then very important is that if there is residual disease, we also consider giving capecitabine after the surgery. Yeah, that last point is a high yield point. I think that was one of our questions um, about adding capecitabine for residual disease. And so what about those who are hormone receptor positive? So that's ER positive, PR positive, and HER2 negative. Can we talk about that group? Yes. So again, this is going to be a very simplified approach. Everybody needs endocrine therapy, but there are guidelines and genomic tools to determine who needs chemotherapy. And then in terms of endocrine therapy, remember that everybody needs it for a minimum of five years and those that are higher risk can be considered for up to 10 years. And also remember that for premenopausal patients, you may also consider ovarian suppression based on the soft and text trials with either an aromatase inhibitor or tamoxifen. And so that brings me to the categories for ERPR positive. So those that are less than 0.5 centimeters, just endocrine therapy alone is okay. And for the premenopausal, you're going to have tamoxifen or aromatase inhibitor with ovarian suppression. And then for the postmenopausal, postmenopausal aromatase inhibitor is preferred. And finally, for men, tamoxifen is generally also the first preferred option. The second category are for tumors more than 0.5 centimeters or with one to three positive lymph nodes. For those, you need to assess the genomic status and you can omit chemotherapy for those over the age of 50 with a genomic score less than 26 or those under the age of 50 with a genomic score under 16. So remember over 60, less than 26 and under 50, less than 16. And the third category for ERPR positive are those with multiple lymph nodes. So more than four, those definitely all need chemotherapy. And again, when we talk about chemo, it's going to be that AC plus T regimen and often will be given in the dose dense schedule with a GCSF and followed by the T, which is paclitaxel. Definitely. So we hit on the endocrine therapy again. So can you remind us and go a little detail, the side effects for aromatase inhibitors and tamoxifen? Yes. So I know I mentioned some of these in last week's episode, but remember that for aromatase inhibitors, you can have musculoskeletal symptoms and they could ask you, how do you treat such symptoms? And the guidelines recommend exercise, acupuncture, and duloxetine. Other side effects can include vaginal dryness, and some of the treatments can include moisturizers, lubricants, and 
Also, don't forget that aromatase inhibitors can cause osteoporosis. And then another key pearl for tamoxifen is that it is contraindicated with certain SSRIs, such as fluoxetine and paroxetine. So make sure you review a patient's medication list. Awesome. I love DEXA scans. Um, so make sure you're getting DEXA scans on these patients to look for that osteoporosis if they already have it or if they're developing it on those endocrine therapies. And so for the second group, the tumors greater than um, 0.5 centimeters or one to three lymph nodes, you mentioned assessing genomic status. And so what, how are we doing that assessment of the genomic risks? So this is for a very specific category that we do this genomic risk assessment. So those that are ER positive, HER2 negative, that are either node negative or have a low number of lymph nodes, so one to three lymph nodes, but that may be high clinical risk, but low genomic risk. And those patients may not necessarily need chemotherapy and endocrine therapy for these patients may be adequate. And so that is where the Oncotype tool from the Taylor X trial, as well as the Mammoprint tool from the Mindec trial come in. And when I was talking about that cutoff of 26 for women over 50, that is from the Oncotype. Um, so again, remember that women over 50 with the Oncotype less than 26 can avoid chemo and those under 50 with a genomic score less than 16 on the Oncotype can also be considered for no chemotherapy. Definitely. And I think that that's heavily tested. Um, I know I've seen questions about that, those cutoff numbers. So commit those to memory, the 26 and the 16. Um, So can you explain ovarian suppression? Because we do talk about that in breast cancer patients. Yes. So for younger women who desire fertility after treatment, a GnRH analog like triptorelin and gosterelin can be used to decrease the risk of infertility. Terrific. And so our next set of, um, our next category of breast cancer, localized breast cancer patients are going to be those who are HER2 positive. So can you start telling us about this population? Yes. So for those that are less than 0.5 centimeter, you can consider no systemic therapy. And for those that are more than 0.5 centimeters, you are going to consider a neoadjuvant regimen. And so anyone with a tumor more than 0.5 centimeter or positive lymph nodes, you not only need that AC plus T chemo, but you also need to add H, which stands for Herceptin or Trastuzumab. So the regimen will be AC plus TH with the H up to one year for those that are more than 0.5 centimeters or positive lymph nodes. And for those that are more than two centimeters or positive lymph nodes, You may also consider adding pertuzumab to that AC plus TH. And so that will be AC followed by THP, again, with the H being trastuzumab and the P being pertuzumab. And just remember that if any of these tumors are triple positive or also have ERPR positive, you're also going to need to give endocrine therapy for five to 10 years. And definitely remember that the HP or trastuzumab, pertuzumab can be cardiotoxic and those patients need to be undergoing a routine echoes. Definitely. So this cardiotoxicity can be acute cardiotoxicity. So these patients, while they're on the current drugs, um, they're getting echocardiograms every few months to watch for any dips in their ejection fraction. That's different than adriamycin, which kind of has more of a delayed cardiotoxicity with cardiomyopathy later. Um, So what if there's residual disease in a HER2 positive localized breast cancer patient? What do we do? So I think this might've also been a question, but if there's residual disease in HER2 positive breast cancer, you're going to add TDM1 based on the Catherine trial. 
Definitely. And so that's great discussions based on HER2 um, receptor status, ER and PR receptor status, also triple negative. Can we switch gears a little bit and discuss inflammatory breast cancer quickly? Yes. So I think this was highly tested on our exam, but for inflammatory breast cancer, neoadjuvant chemotherapy is preferred and you cannot offer breast conserving therapy for these patients. And so you're going to need to do a mastectomy with an axillary lymph node dissection. Definitely. And then one other special consideration that we do see in the localized breast cancer realm, what happens if a patient's diagnosed with breast cancer while pregnant? So there's a few key pearls when it comes to pregnancy. And these are, some things are very much contraindicated. So CT scans, nuclear imaging, radiation, endocrine therapy are all contraindicated during pregnancy. There are some chemotherapies which are acceptable starting in the second trimester, but ideally given postpartum. And some of the acceptable regimens given during pregnancy utilize doxorubicin, cyclophosphamide, and fluorouracil, also known as the FAC regimen. I think that it's very important. I remember walking into my boards knowing five, a few doxorubicin and cyclophosphamide, if they gave me a vignette that included a pregnant person was okay to consider um, in the second trimester and beyond. And so what happens to someone if they have a local regional recurrence after the primary treatment of their localized breast cancer? So I think we were also tested on this. And so do a mastectomy with an axillary lymph node dissection, if not previously done, add radiation, if not previously done. And there will also be consideration of chemotherapy. Definitely. That was a whirlwind episode two of our three-part breast cancer series. Um, And so thank you so much for really simplifying a lot of dense material for everyone. And so what are our key takeaways for localized breast cancer? So yes, like Sam mentioned, this is very much a simplified approach. So remember to refer to all your guidelines when actually treating a patient and refer to your breast tumor board for the best approach for each patient. But think about the categories based on receptor status for those those that are triple negative, neoadjuvant, AC plus T. You may also consider adding pembrolizumab and carboplatin in those high risk. And if there's residual disease, you're going to add capecitabine after the surgery. In the ERPR positive, everybody needs endocrine therapy for a minimum of five years. For those tumors more than 0.5 centimeters or a low number of lymph nodes, so one to three positive lymph nodes, we're going to assess genomic status and we can emit chemo for those that are over 50 with an oncotype less than 26 or under 50 with an oncotype less than 16. And finally, an ERPR positive, everyone with more than four positive lymph nodes will need chemotherapy. And then in our last HER2 positive category, for those more than 0.5 centimeters or positive lymph nodes, you're going to add Herceptin to the AC plus T regimen with the Herceptin going for up to one year. If they're more than two centimeters, you may also consider adding pertuzumab. So it will be AC plus THP. And if there's residual disease, make sure to add TDM1. So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and tuning into our weekly episodes. Good luck with your board studying. Things are getting closer and closer. So stick to your studying plan. Um, And also please feel free to reach out to us with corrections, comments, and if there's any um, thing you guys want to hear in next episodes, our Instagram and our Twitter is 2.onc.docs. See you guys next week.